jump right in. As an FYI, as we start this morning in this teaching, I just want to encourage you to know that when you go online to listen to the replays, feel free to skip the first 10 to 15 minutes because I'm going through the um, the information and, and any announcements that we may have, you know, until we fix the, you know, get someone else to kind of pick that up in the future. But good morning, conservators, and welcome to the Scrabble Conservatory Arts and Worship Center. This is our normal copyright disclaimer right here. You can pause the screen if you're listening to the replay and read it if you like. Um, the Scribal Conservatory Overview, I read it last week. We won't read the whole thing now, but I will just say that we uphold these five pillars, transforming nations, reinforcing covenant, elevating Christ above men slash people in general, increasing understanding. And our whole desire is for us to um, just have our roots grow deep in him. That's an actual scripture, but it means the world to me that we be immersed, that we be immersed. Also, just a reminder that we do have a website. This website is more of this is how you reach us. This is how you stay in touch. This is what we believe if you're concerned about our faith. And by now you should know that when we go to the um, what we offer about us. When we start talking about those things, I'm listing the, the beliefs and the values that guide us in our teachings. Things that I don't teach, I'm not really putting up there. So don't let that become a sore point with you, but let I just want you to know that that's our focus. So the scribalconservatory.com is the website. If there is anything massive and major that happens, there will be an announcement on the page that pops up. But if you want to know for the month what is happening, if we have any road trips or anything like that, those things will always be at the very bottom of every page on this website. So just be encouraged. Other than that, uh, it doesn't need updating. But this is where you go for everything. Bible study is 7.30 Tuesday nights. But this, this week, we are having Bible study. However, there is no service next Sunday. Please make a note of it. You are, If you're not meeting up with us at the um, Creation Museum or the Ark in Kentucky, then know that we will not have service. However, I will be posting a video on um, or, or a YouTube video that it would be our third teaching. It's literally about Ahava and how God, everything that God directs happens through um, his love for us. We're gonna touch on some of that today. You can, you can listen to it, but it's not required. Most of you have heard it before, but generally when we're not having service on Sundays inside the Scribal Prophets Bible Study Group, we're going to begin the process of just uploading a video or two that I think will be relevant to you um, that week. So here's the schedule. If you need this schedule, it is inside the Scribal Conservatory Bible Study Group and on the School of the Scribe page. So for the rest of the year, because our schedule is kind of funny, you will see a, a calendar for every month. I think that's necessary at the end of the year 
that we do that so that there is no confusion. But there is no service Sunday, October 23rd, but we are having Bible study on the 25th. So just be made aware of that. And um, that's it. So if you need dates, it's pinned to the top of the Scribal Conservatory Bible Study Group. If you are missing announcements in the Scribal Conservatory Bible Study Group, just go under the tab and click follow and then click notifications so that you're sure that you're getting the notifications for the group. Even take the time to do that on your phone right now because if you haven't selected notifications, you will have no idea of what's going on because not everybody sees every post inside the Scribal Conservatory Bible Study Group. So giving and offering, I finally got that document in my hands and I finally sent that document to GiveLify. Unfortunately, the document didn't come until Friday. So <laughs> here we are again, waiting for GiveLify to um, approve us and then I'll change all of this information. You can always still, if you want to give to me personally, I'll show you how to do that next time. But for the most part, any significant donations or anything like that will need to go through this app once it goes live. So if you're tithing to the ministry, you're going to need to give to through this app. If you're doing Melchizedek giving, which is tithing to the priest, then you just need to send it to me. But you can also do it through the app if you want to track yourself, but I'll let you decide that. And we will be having that meeting at the end of the year so that you know what all of this looks like and things like that. So that's just for today, but by next Sunday, well, the Sunday when we come back, the whole giving thing will be different. And I'll be able to um, make that link live again from the website because all you'll need to do is go to thescribalconservatory.com Click GiveLify, create an account where you can give and you can track your own giving um, throughout the year and even print out your own statements. That's one of the reasons why I love that particular option. So anyway, here we are again with our teaching on today. Are we all good? Are you guys ready? Oh my goodness. So I didn't open it up this morning for comments because I just believe, um, I just believe with everything in me that you'll probably have more questions after today. The last two teachings, some of you got little notes from me. Please listen to the last two teachings. Please do, because if you don't, you'll be lost as we move into teaching on the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. So there are three indisputable cornerstones of the apostolic. They're not revelational, but they are cornerstones. And these cornerstones comes from the life of Jesus. They don't come from, oh, the Lord showed me in a dream that we're not doing that with these series of teachings. As much as I love dreams and visions and what we hear in the realm of the spirit, none of that trumps the word. None of it trumps what is written. Jesus is logos and rhema. He is both. He is the word logos made flesh, made flesh, right? He became a living epistle. 
But when he left the earth, the word became rhema. It was rhema before, but it's definitely rhema to us because Christ is living on the inside of us. So I want you to know that Jesus is the living word, which is logos and rhema, not one or the other. That's what I've come to believe. And so I want you guys to um, just really, really, really believe this. He is both. He is both. But today we're going to take our understanding of the apostolic further. Um, if you need the definition, go back to last week's message because we're not repeating or recapping. It would take too long to do that. But we are definitely on a path of restoring and redefining our understanding of Ephesians 4.11 but from the perspective, from a perspective in which people can't take control of it and make themselves great or build a circus around it. We're making it practical. We're filling in the gaps of what God has called us to do. We're healing our understanding of the apostolic. That's what we're doing, healing our understanding. Also, um, I want you to know that today's message is about is not about proving that we learned something wrong. I'm not here to prove that everybody was wrong. That's not why we're doing this. We're not dishonoring what we were taught. We're, we're making cricket places straight. We're causing our, our, our mind to align in a different way. We're not pointing out leaders who teach error in doctrine because that was me. And I'm pretty sure that that was some of you. We grow every day in greater understanding. We grow every day and more and more and more. And I am here to tell you that um, from my perspective, I am understanding 100% that we are renewed in our minds every single day. And we have to make sure that we are so rooted that we're not going back to old tribes, you know, like, 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 you know, old places to eat, buffets. We have to make sure that we're staying on this path of continuous growth and development where the foundations we've set expand in us, not, not con constrict and get hindered again. So today's message is about, um, it, it is about that we are in a new day of the apostolic. I will say that understanding the apostolic, understanding healing, understanding breakthrough. You know, people fight over their, their titles for healing, but healing is healing. Whether you call it deliverance, whether you call it casting out, whatever you call it is still the ministry of reconciliation. It's still healing. But for the sake of simplicity, for the sake of not bringing religious ideas into our conversations, we must get to a point where, where we're okay with calling things what Jesus called them. You know, looking at them through his eyes, healing to, there was no casting out devil's ministry. That was just a healing ministry. Doesn't mean casting out devils didn't happen. But what happens when you cast out devils? people get healed. So there's nothing wrong with say, saying, I need healing. There's nothing wrong with saying, I need devils cast out. But when you're in strangers, when you're among people who don't know the faith, which wording would you choose that would be more 
um, of, of wording that would cause them not to fear God or cause them not to think about the devil first. I don't want to think about the devil every time I think about God. I just want to think about God. Does that make sense to you guys? Does that help? A lot of the things we do, you know, that I'm seeing and that I experienced growing up, I've come to now know that was the weird, real witchcraft. I'm just, I'm just telling you. <laughs> that was the real, the way people pray is scary. Don't pray for me. I'm just like, please don't pray for me. Keep your prayers to yourself if the devil has to enter the conversation. If you can't pray like Jesus, don't pray for me. <laughs> you know, so that's just me. Pray in your heavenly language. That won't be messed up. <laughs> so, you know, you know, we're here because we're preparing ourselves for what is before us. We're preparing ourselves for what is to come. We're positioning our own hearts and our own minds. Oh my goodness. Uh, you know, to discern the divine apostolic nature of Christ from distortions. And I say we are because when you study the scriptures, most of the scriptures about healing is telling you what you need to do. <laughs> you know, it's not just Lord do it for me. It's very few scriptures like that in the Bible. You guys, we got to read the scriptures differently. We waiting on God to do what? To do what? All God is saying, allow me. Receive. You'll see that. <laughs> you know, but as far as God doing magic tricks, that's not what we're taught in the new covenant. You know, we're taught how to posture and position ourselves to receive, listen, what we already have. <laughs> what we already have. I mean, okay, anyway, we're redefining the apostolic with an eternal intention. We're restoring our understanding, purging our minds and spirits from limited, distorted intel. Oh, my goodness. And how distorted can things be in an unhealed mind? Woo! Oh my God, how do I know my mind is unhealed? I'm suspicious. I'm paranoid. All I see is the devil everywhere I go. Everybody's a witch. I mean, <laughs> how, how, how do I know? Everybody after me. People talking about me. That's how you know, it's just, if your mind is not lined up with the promises, the declarations, the decrees, you are in need of massive healing. We have all been there. If your inner conversation concerning yourself is killing you, you need healing. If you are, are your worst enemy, you need healing. Oh my goodness. I've seen people preach the house down, but their inner conversation is, 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 is just sickening. So we always have to walk toward this place of, of understanding 
that redefinition is not uh, uh, like, oh, let me preach so everybody can get this. Redefining is about you. Not everybody on the outside of you. It starts in you first. We're also restoring our understanding, purging our minds and spirits from limited, limited thinking, limited ideas, and distorted intel. We're learning to make Christ a true priority. Oh my goodness. I hope you guys can see that that's what we've been doing in the conservatory, keeping him at the center. Whenever you're teaching messages and it's all about, when you see an apostle do this, if you see people building churches, if you see this and that, that's an apostle. That's the fallacy of this teaching. We can't teach like that anymore. That's the redefining. You cannot redefine by looking at humanity. We have to redefine by looking at Jesus. The reason why people think they're prophets today is because people have taught them flesh, not Jesus. So we're reversing that. A lot of people are not prophets. They're just not. They prophetic, but they're not prophets. God told me I was a prophet. I'm looking at you. Everybody else looking at you. And we're trying to figure out how in the world did they come to that conclusion? They can't even quote the scripture correctly. There's no understanding of who God is. Where is your straight line? Where is your mission, your mandate? Nothing. And then the words they give, God wants you to be encouraged. That's not prophetic. I mean, you just like, what's going on? But my hope is that we won't be that way in the conservatory and that we will be so teachable and so humble that it won't matter to us whether we have a title or not. I did not ask for this. I want you to know this. I did not willingly accept my calling. I had to be convinced. And, and, and most people that I know who really are, they're not self-appointed. They don't get mad when people don't address them by their title. They don't mind going into environments where their first name is used. Humility is beautiful. I wish my husband would be at home. Apostle Teresa. Apostle, can you stop it? That's ridiculous. I'm your wife. <laughs> I am Sharena's mother. Ashanti's mother. Jariah's mother. No. <laughs> And we wonder why people confuse. Listen, I know that's a rabbit trail, but let's get back to this. So the last bullet, it says, it says, we're, well, no, we're digging out selfish motives mandates. We're filling some holes 
cracks, misalignments. We're creating a foundation on which to build a better understanding of Ephesians 4.11 callings and ministry. And listen, we're seeing the apostolic from a simple perspective. It's really simple, but it's also very deep. Within ourselves, before we look at his activation for eternal for external ministry, we must grasp that we are all apostolic. We are all apostolic people, but not all of us have matured into it. Not all of us have grown in a straight line. I know my branches have been bent, leaves died. Some branches, leaves have not ever grown back. But we're working on it, aren't we, Holy Spirit? So we must also grasp that we are the seal. That we are the seal. And we've talked about that. So here we go. I want you to review the message on community, koinonia, which was the first installment in this series. And you absolutely must listen to what is the apostolic. Skip 15 minutes in. But you got to move that way because this next teaching is dependent upon it. I want to start by looking at John 14, 1 through 11. This is the New King James version of the scripture. And we're just going to read it through the first time. It says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That is a powerful passage. John 14 is the beginning of the conversation that Jesus is having with his apostles as he prepares for his crucifixion and resurrection. So we're getting the most important words that he had to give them before he left. And so he's building, he's building. And I love this because he told him, he said, I'm with you in the flesh right now. I'm here. You can touch me. You can lay on me. I can cook for you because he did that. I can, I can have fun with you. I can do all of these things with you, but I'm getting ready to go. But I'm going to come again and I will receive you to myself. We know that he came again after the resurrection and that he filled us, so he came again. But he came in a different way. He filled us by the Spirit. And we also know that he will come a third time. <laughs> you know, so I really believe that. I believe that Christ is coming back and he's gonna catch up. Not, not, I'm not talking about the rapture, but he's gonna grab all of his people and we're going to be one with him. But in the duration, the gift of Jesus is so profound that he lives in us because we said yes. We said yes. He lives in us. He lives in us. So that were that where I am, there you may be also. You may not realize this, but we're already where he is. And our apostolic formation, deliberate apostolic formation puts us in a place internally, not externally, so we can experience that. 
How do I know? Because everyone who's listening to the sound of my voice right now has experienced presence. You've experienced presence on your own. You've experienced presence in corporate environments. You've experienced presence with other people. You've experienced presence when you're being prayed for. And the kind of presence that transcends any kind of comfort we could bring ourselves out of our own initiative. One of the best ways that I can explain presence is this overwhelming feeling that God is with you. That is beyond explanation. That is presence. Some of us, if you've ever been married, you've experienced presence on very intimate levels. It transcends anything that any human could bring you and call peace. And I will also be bold enough to say that some of us don't, most of us even, may not experience this kind of presence every day. And we know that it's God because it's so rare to experience it in such a deep place. But the truth of the matter is, we should be able to enter presence at will, at a thought. So the apostolic conditions that we discussed in the last teaching puts us in a place where we can do this. As long as your inner life is jacked up, as the inner thought processes, as long as we're not entering to, into the pattern that, that, that Jesus has set for us, we hinder our own ability to tap into presence. When I am angry, I mean willfully so, not the kind of anger you can't control because if someone hurts you, you're going to have a response. I've had some horrible things happen like, you know, loss. And I felt presence more than I ever have in my life in the times where the greatest losses have occurred. That's the comforter. That's Jesus coming for you. That's Jesus saying, I got your back. But there are other times when we have control, where we get to choose whether we enter in and seek his presence or whether we remain in our flesh. When we talk about presence, we have to talk about the comforting side because Jesus alone knows when we need the comfort and he will come upon you whether you're resisting him or not. Because to God, that's intervention. But if it doesn't come in other situations, that means you need to choose. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, you need to choose and trust, have faith and hope. Line yourself up until you break. And he can come. <laughs> Does that make sense, you guys? These are lessons that I have learned. When I'm having an argument with my husband, you know how that goes if you've ever been married. I'm, listen, I'm, this is not about spilling your guts. Everybody knows how those arguments can go. 
I am willfully determining that I am right. You might not feel God. <laughs> because why? I got to humble myself in that situation. Honey, I'm sorry. Lord, I let it go. I don't have to be right. It doesn't have to go my way. Instead of hovering in a corner, I don't feel you, God. Where you at? We missed the whole boat. So the Lord wants us to be in this place where we are always of a mind to make him known or allow him to be made known. This is scripture is important to me. So important to me because he says in verse four, he says, and where I go, you know, and the way, you know, then here comes Thomas. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? This is thinking with the carnal mind. He just missed the whole conversation. Jesus said to him, he said, I already told you I'm the way. I'm the truth and the life. No one can come to the father except through me. He said, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. But from now on, Thomas, you know him and have seen him. Jesus is basically saying to him, listen, all like the whole time I've been with you, I've been teaching you how to know me Enter your apostolic mind. Remember the things that I have taught you. Live by the things that I have directed you to live by and you'll understand. Don't lean into your own understanding, Thomas, because that's what you're doing. Some things cannot be discerned or explained simply by me telling you what it is. You have to know me apostolically to a point that you trust everything that I tell you and know that you will have understanding when you need it. Oh my goodness, then here comes Philip. But Lord, show us the Father. <laughs> and it is sufficient for us. We do this in our prayers. We do this in our in trying to understand things in the word. And the Lord is saying, you beating bushes. Just trust me and what I've told you. And now Philip is saying, Lord, show us the the same thing to show me. You're going to see Thomas do it again later. But I promise you, we, we pick on him, but he wasn't the only one. He wasn't. Doesn't mean they're not with God. It just means they need elevation. They need ascension. And that's why Jesus answered the way he did because he understood that ascension was what they had not graduated into a new level of understanding. This, this conversation is gonna come into play later. So remember what I said here. Jesus said to him, listen, have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip. He who has seen me, the father. So how can you say, show us the father? Oh my God. I love this because every time we ask God, God, how long would this situation be with me? Lord, I, I, I feel this way. I'm ready for it to go away. 
When are you going to fix it? And Jesus keeps saying, but I've showed you how. I've taught you. Don't you remember what I've done already? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? And now I just told you, you're going to be in me too. I just said that where I am, there you may be also. They're not connecting the dots. He just said, I am in the Father and the Father in me. And where I am, there you may all be also. How do we get there? But I showed you. But they're leaning on all the stuff. Let me go to the next prophet. Let me go track down the deliverance minister. Let me get 15 opinions from 15 different friends. Oh, well, I went to this conference and God did it. Because you finally believed it when you got among strangers and people you weren't familiar with. It was there before you all the time. But you needed to hear it from the big minister. Right? You didn't believe it until somebody you respected more than the people you were getting all your opinions from said it to you. But now you got understanding. No, you enter into a place that gave you what you had contrived in your mind that you needed and God met you there. When the whole time God had been speaking it. They didn't tell you anything you had not already heard 50,000 times before. I can promise you that. They're doing Jesus the same way. And these are his apostles. Oh my God. Oh my God. They don't understand how they're seeing. The apostolic is an ascension gift, not because you become great, but because Jesus was already great and because he made the way. Jesus said, do you not believe that I am in the father and the father in me and where I go, you know, and you know the way. I go to prepare a place for you so that you're with me like the father is in me and like, I am in the Father. The words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. What? But the Father who dwells in me does the works. If the Lord God himself, the Father of all, is working in Jesus apostolically, how much more is the housing of Holy Spirit and the person of Jesus in you working on your behalf. If there is no change, why is that? It has nothing to do with Jesus and everything to do with precept upon precept, line upon line in our growth process, allowing the Lord to have his way. Verse 11, believe me, I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the work themselves. In other words, if you don't believe anything else, believe what I've already done for you. Believe what you've seen me do for other people. 
Believe the things, the miracles, the signs, the wonders that you've already had. Think on those things. Oh my God. People think they have special favor and, and, and that makes them great or better than other people. We all have special graces and special favor. You just have to know what it is and how to identify it. I mean, my God. This is where we're at. And it, and it helps us to have this perspective because it kills a lot of the things of the flesh. God is the apostolic. All things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. Either that's true or it's not. Only the apostolic can do that. The devil cannot do that. The devil does not have that kind of power. No one can defeat God. We need to tell that to some Christians. God is the winner. He's the only winner. Every covenant God made with humanity is apostolic. The Noahic covenant was apostolic. Oh my God. The flood he made with Noah after the sun rose. And after the eight departed that boat, the Abrahamic covenant. We're still living out the promises of Noah and the promises of Abraham. The Mosaic covenant. We don't realize it, but we didn't have any laws governing us until Moses. So whatever happened with Abraham and whatever happened with Noah, there was no scripture. There was no Bible to peruse. I mean, how can you quote stuff when it was God doing whatever as he felt whatever? We didn't start having order until Moses. You know, we had order, apostolic order, governmental order, but we did not have laws. The word wasn't being revealed to us through law until Moses. And that covenant was good. Then we had the Davidic covenant. And that was the promise of Messiah. That was the first time in the history of the Bible we were promised a savior in writing. The whole scripture about no man will teach you. But I will put my, I mean, my God, the scripture about um, the Jesse, the seed of, of David, of Jesse. That was that time. We need perspective when we going around quoting all this stuff. We're looking at completely different dispensations in the Bible, in biblical times. And then we had the new covenant, which is the final covenant. All the other covenants are no longer relevant except as they amplify what Christ accomplished in the new covenant. Don't come with me. I'm the daughter of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. No, you're not. They are dead. Their covenant is dead. We are under the new covenant, the final covenant, the final authority, the final word, which is why we look for everything through Jesus. 
It's funny how we look for everything through David and Moses and Abraham, but we can't understand Jesus. It's disturbing. People making Moses an apostle. How dare you? That grace was not in the earth for humans during that time. That grace was only opened up through the life of Christ. It's a completely different grace. I'm not a prophet like Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet of God without Jesus being his cornerstone. I'm just going to skip myself over to the ultimate prophet. That's what Teresa's going to do. I'm going to skip myself over to the ultimate apostle and I'm going to start there. I'm not starting with David and Moses and Abraham and Noah anymore. Instead, I'm standing under Jesus and I'm saying, Jesus, give me how to perceive all of the prophets before, the apostolic grace before that Jesus, that God demonstrated. Is this helping? Oh my goodness. The apostolic is motivated only by God's eternal love for humanity and is demonstrated through koinonia, which is his, which is God's eternal perspective. Well, that ain't God's eternal perspective. You go sit down because it is. God is the apostolic. All he wanted in paradise was a perfect family. All he wants in eternity is a perfect family. There is nothing else that God wants. Before I go any further, I need you to agree with me that you can see this. All God wants is a restored paradise. Everything that happens in between in God's eyes are, are that has to do with the kingdom is what it takes to get us there while we're still in the earth. Can we agree? Because perspective on the apostolic is everything. Or by the time people get through twisting it, they'll be God. <laughs> Somebody will get that later. <laughs> Okay, by default, we are an apostolic people. We know that growing in the apostolic is a choice and a decision. How? The entire purpose of spiritual growth and maturity is to grow in full stature, full measure, ending the tossing and around and the double mind. Ephesians 4, the entire book, but especially, I mean, the entire book, but Ephesians 4, after listing the gifts, Put that in, cl in clarity. And it's not maturely knowing how to prophesy and hear God's voice. Children never been trained can hear God's voice. The gifts and callings are irrevocable. What we need to train is this flesh. What we need to resist and put under the yoke of Jesus 
is this mind of ours. The ways of men without God, which the Lord calls wicked. The apostolic transforms us into who we were supposed to be before the, the fall. Who we are destined to be at the end of the book of Revelations. That beautiful passage right before that word, amen. <laughs> oh my God. As we mature, we become convinced that Christ's eternal intention, the end game of koinonia, is also our end game. This means that all of our effort of Christian living and service is on an apostolic trajectory. So though many people increase in knowledge, the Bible tells us clearly, he says, it's a popular scripture. It says that it with every generation becomes wickeder and wiser. Now we have context for that. Without Christ, you will, people grow in wisdom every day. Every day, not just wisdom of evil, but even wisdom of good. But without God, you cannot grow in an apostolic trajectory that gives you the mind of Christ. We're supposed to grow in Christ's wisdom and Christ's mind and wiser ways as, as the generations pass. But what we do is we, we accumulate all of this wisdom without Christ and it becomes more of a detriment to the body than an advancement. You sure are wise, but you'll be much wiser with Jesus. You're very apostolic, but not the apostolic mind of God. You have people telling folks, that's an apostolic business. Well, they were born of God. Every human is born of God. You should be apostolic but don't get it twisted. If you do not have the mind of Christ, is not that kind of apostolic. There's an elect. We are an elect people. We're set apart. We have people prophesying to folks in the world, calling them prophetic and apostolic, don't even know what spirit they are. They don't even know Jesus. We can see the calling, but without them saying yes, it has not been released and ordained in the order of the apostolic. Am I lying to you? If, if we label everybody who's doing something great apostolic, then what's the point of even acknowledging the mind of God or the mind of Christ? What's the purpose of, of growing spiritually? Why do we need it at all if all it takes is a gift and an intuitive spirit and the ability to call it like it is? God can speak through anybody. Yes, he can. But consistent prophetic and consistent apostolic lifestyle requires being set apart. Submitted. Oh my goodness. That's why I don't acknowledge people. When people, people try to tell me they're private, I'm looking at you. If you're part of the conservatory, I'm just going to encourage you to keep studying your word. <laughs> because I have to look at everything else 
everything else. It's not just the gift. I don't care if the gift is accurate left and right. If your life is a shambles, you will bring a mockery to the calling. Oh my God. That's why you have scriptures like um, 1 Timothy and Titus, how to be a deacon, how to be an elder, how to... Oh my God. If people don't respect you, not nowhere. If you work and have jobs and you're always the butt of every joke, I always say, let's sit down and let's talk about that because why is it people can't see your authority? Because in the spiritual realm, when a person is walking in authoritative place, you do not have to announce yourself. I've shown up at meetings. Nobody knew who I was. What do you think? What's your opinion, Teresa? I'm just here to watch and listen. Can you give me some advice? Can, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm here to mind my own business. Oh my God, I didn't come here to teach. We want to give you the mic. I don't want it. Listen, people will try to put you in the back of the room. I want you to hear me. When God is in it, they will point you out and bring you to the front. Literally. You do not have to assert yourself when it's your time. Anyway. Oh my goodness, all roads in the apostolic point to Jesus. We'll go back and talk about that because I know that was more of a blanketed statement. Maybe that'll make a good Bible study to talk about how authority operates. Not just what, because you know, people think they got authority when they get a title. How many of you have worked under people with titles and no authority? And you running the whole place by yourself and you don't have a title. Everybody coming to you and you're not even the leader. And then on top of that, you're advising the leader. The leader coming to you, but you making the least money in the whole place. It's crazy. And if you shut up your mouth, everything falls apart in the workplace. Oh my God, come on now. Y'all know what I'm talking about. That's authority. But you have to know where your authority is. Right? So look, we're going to keep moving. I promise we're talking about the apostolic. We had to do this to get to these three areas. Three indisputable, incorruptible pillars that uphold the apostolic. And this is the conservatory's position. And I'm gonna take this to my last breath and I'm gonna stand on it. It cannot be moved from the foundation because it's the three things that Jesus gave us to sustain us in the earth. And it's very simple. We all know them. This isn't revelation. It's just the way that I'm gonna present it to you. Number one, faith. 
Jesus demonstrated tremendous faith in his time on earth. It was through his faith that love, miracles, signs, wonders, forgiveness of sin, the crucifixion and the resurrection was walked out. Listen, he had faith to overcome temptation in the wilderness. He had faith to overcome discouragement at the beginning of his ministry when the 70 left him and only few remained. And Jesus was like, are you going to leave me too? He didn't linger there. We talked about that in our series on the life of Jesus, how Jesus had moments of emotion that he decided in that moment, he chose and decided not to dwell on. They left me. He could have stayed there. But in an instant, he changed his mind and focused on who was with him. Oh my God. In the wilderness, he could have been like, I'm fighting this battle all by myself. By myself. I need to call John to help me. I need to call, everybody. he fought that alone using the very tools that he gave us. Speak the word. Keep your eyes focused on the father. That's what Jesus did. Keep your eyes focused on me. But what we teach in the church, everybody got to go through their wilderness experience and they cave season. Where did Jesus say that? Where? All he said was there will be trials and there will be tribulations. But it's your responsibility to endure. That's a whole different thought process. Oh my God, when he was in his cave season, when he was in his wilderness, he overcame temptation with his mind, his faith, and I'm gonna keep my eyes focused. I'm gonna quote the word. I'm gonna believe and trust what he said. Oh my God, he overcame fear in the garden of Gethsemane. He cried and sweat blood. And then he said, this it, I'm just going, I'm, I'm faith-based, I'm standing now, and I cannot be moved. He made up his mind. Are you following? Jesus was constantly making choices and decisions. Oh my, this is the apostolic mind. This is the apostolic walking through life, demonstrating faith. He endured the crucifixion without question or complaint. Hey, where the intercessors at? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm being, I'm, I'm humorous, but I'm so serious. Sometimes you won't be able to find anybody to pray for you. And you sitting around worried about why you can't find, find nobody to pray for you when the Lord is saying, I need you to ascend. I need you to put on your apostolic mind. I need you, I'm training you to come up. Prophet Andrea would call this perfect conditions. Yes, he set his face like flint. The apostolic multiplies and increases, listen, as we grow. 
But the reason why some of us stay the way we are for frustrated for 20 and 30 years is because our eyes are on why is my life not changing instead of let me change my life. How can you change your circumstance? According to what we've learned in the pattern of Christ is that we have to change our outlook. We have to change what we're focusing on. And we have to have faith that God is going to do what he has promised. Not the crazy personal prophecies you received that never came to pass, but those 365 promises plus a thousand more that he made that are in his word. You all know my circumstances when it comes to my son with disability. I have choices to make. And I'm believing God. Do you understand? I will not let the circumstances that my flesh wants me to have rule my life. I have to say, okay, if I want to go on a two-week vacation in Europe, I got to work it out. Where are the people at? If I have to get five different people to help me do what I need to do while I'm out of town, I'm going to make it happen. My life does not have to end because of my circumstances. It's how you think. And if we're focused on what God wants, listen, he makes a way. He always sends somebody to help me. Always. And they do it with, with dignity to me and my family. And they do it quietly. Oh my God. I'm shocked at that. But I don't miss it because it's a blessing. It's a grace and it's what real favor looks like. Oh my God. We don't realize the gift of people around us. Who gets an employment somewhere and everything works out for them when they get there? Favor. That doesn't happen for everybody. Who, who gets on a job and working for people and they running the whole place? What does that say? It's time for me to let people know what I am doing in this place. I got to be my voice now. I'm willing to help you, but I want you to know you're the supervisor, but I'm going to help you anyway. But I want this promotion that co that's coming up. You have access now. I I I'm just trying to help y'all. And I hope you guys are able to see those are what open doors really are. Not open doors to sit next to Oprah. That might not be it. Right? That might just be one thing. There are all kinds of open doors. Oh my God. Jesus was able to ascend. He overcame temptation in the wilderness. He overcame discouragement at the beginning of his ministry. He overcame fear in the Garden of Gethsemane. He endured the crucifixion without question or complaint. The apostolic multiplies and increases 
as we grow in faith and belief, you want to spiritually mature, you rise above every single thing that comes your way. That is the apostolic in you. That's the overcomer in you. And listen, the overcomer because of your effort, not just because you received a miracle, a sign, or a wonder in that situation. We thank God for miracle signs and wonders, but the apostolic will not let you be spoiled by them. I'm telling you, you will not be spoiled by miracle signs and wonders because the Lord will not have us look for him as magic. So you crying out for 30 years for God to do something, something suddenly really sad about that. Because we have to go back in, and it's still not changing. What is it that we could have missed along the way where we could have had to choose and decide that would have changed the trajectory of that situation? Oh my goodness. Is this helping? More scripture coming, don't worry. Don't look at this as where the scripture's at. We got them. Pillar number two, hope. Hope, 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 hope. Hope, 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 hope. If you really want to know something about the dream realm, personal dream realms, or if they're really of God, will always give you hope. Especially in your personal life. Not hope about you being a superstar, that kind of stuff. I'm talking about hope in Christ. Let's clear up the platform for hope. Hope that Jesus is coming. Hope that there is a house for you in heaven. Hope that um, your family will be saved. Hope that your marriage and relationship will be saved. I'm talking the kind of hope that deals with the internal life. And the immediate church, your children, your loved ones, not strangers blowing in the wind. That's a part of it, but I want you to see the apostolic first from within you. Jesus demonstrated hope. Jesus demonstrated tremendous hope for the world, meaning all the people in it. He did not demonstrate hopelessness. Our Lord came in the name of hope and lived from a place of hope and gave hope at every opportunity. First Timothy 1 and 1 describes Jesus as our hope. It actually says Jesus is our hope. First John 14, 16, we just read some of that, states that Jesus declared that he was the way, the truth, and the life. That's hope. The way is hope. The truth is hope. The life is hope. And we have to do the life because it is the life of Christ that we hope in. John 3.16 declares that whoever believes in him is saved. That's hope. I just put these little three scriptures down, but I want you to know that hope. See, listen. Faith is eternal. There is nothing that will ever happen that will destroy the operation of faith. 
There is nothing that will ever happen on earth that will destroy the hope of Christ. The scripture tells us, put no hope in man. I wonder why. Because they're not the Christ. Even your best buddy, your, your, your deepest friendship, it's an atrocity to have your hope laid there. Our hope is in Christ. Oh my God. Their hope when Lazarus died, everybody, you know, those, those, they went to get Jesus because their hope was there. When the Suratorian's daughter died, oh my God, he didn't even know Jesus personally, found him because his hope was in Jesus. Oh my God, on the day of the last supper, Jesus was like, enter my hope. Oh my God, can't I, every time you read something that Jesus said and read, you will find hope. You will never find despair. Despair comes from us and it comes from the work of the enemy in the earth. Despair is a defeated mind, not a victorious mind. If you live in despair 90% of the time, massive healing is needed. If all of your life, every day, well, look at how they relate to me. Look at what they did to me. Popo me. The tiniest violin cannot be heard in heaven. Because you have the mindset, the mindset of a hopeless person. Recanting scripture, believing the promises. We train this mind. We elevate this mind into the mind of Christ. It's a gift to us that we have to unwrap every day. Oh my God. Third pillar and the foundation of everything. Jesus demonstrated Ahava to us. Perfect love in covenant for the Father and perfect love in covenant for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It really is that simple. Faith. Love is about faith and love is about hope. Were it not so, Jesus would have drowned everybody in Genesis 6. <laughs> it wouldn't be no more us. He would have wrote us out then. The thing about it is, though, that I love God kept trying because he had hope. He kept trying. Because he had faith that if there be one. He must have found it in Enoch. He must have found it. Oh my goodness. And that's kind of sad. <laughs> that none of us have even come close to that kind of catching up. Oh my God. Listen, if there is no love, there is no authentic apostolic. Why? 
because the apostolic is God's, God's mind, Christ's mind for us. Oh my God, can you see it? Everything that God does is for us. And all he wants us to say is, everything I do, I do for you, God. And then I look at other people and I wanna do everything I possibly can to help other people. How dare you be in a relationship with anyone and we don't help. We don't offer relief of any kind. We just take and take and take and take and take and take. And after we've stripped everything, cat, dog, we don't care. Just go. I don't care. Let them deal with it. How cold? Friendships, family members. When I look at myself, I, I, all I can think about is, God, how have you tolerated me? How? I've been so selfish. How? I hope we can look at that. I look at how some of you guys care for your parents that I know, and I'm like, oh my God, look at the love they show. I've seen how some of you, I watch how you care for your children, how you celebrate them. I said, my God. Those children got the best of everything. What a strong foundation. I look at how you love your grandkids and how you interact with your, your spouse. And I'm sitting up here like, my God, they working through it. They're not putting themselves first. And no matter what people do, you still showing up to the conservatory to relationships, not being used, but you're showing up, right? Oh my God, listen, here we go. Here we go, we're at the end. There is nothing more apostolic than its eternal governmental foundations. Love at the center, but also hope and faith. Oh my goodness. God's eternal kingdom was formed by apostolic vision Founded on faith, hope, and love in koinonia for you, for me. I'm apostolic. Are you really? Where's your love? Where's your love? Where's your faith? Where's your hope? First Corinthians 13, 4 through 13 says, Ahava, love covenant is patient. Love covenant is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. We're hearing all about Jesus right now. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Still working on that. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil. It's not excited that destruction is coming. It's not excited that tornadoes and floods are coming. It's not saying and screaming, look, look what's going to happen to them. Ah, ha, ha, ha. It doesn't do that. 
Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with truth. Oh my God, I'm weeping because God wanted to save them. It's God's desire that they not have to go through this. What can I do? God, how can I pray? Because these people are lost. Judgment does not have to come in this way. God, I'm in real intercessor now. Apostolic is my name. Love never fails. I'm going to say this again. Love never fails. Not your love. <laughs> Ahava, the covenant God made, the new covenant. But where there are prophecies, they will fail. I must, I, we say cease, but we're going to say fail because that's what he's comparing it to, right? Love never fails, but where prophecies are, they will fail. Not promises, prophecies, because prophecies are conditional. Man, God showed me a dream where I'm going to be wealthy, but you've done nothing to prepare for that wealth. But God gave me that word 15 years ago. Why didn't it come to pass? You didn't, you didn't, you didn't get your finances in order. You didn't give. You didn't save. You didn't invest. You passed up every opportunity for God to do that. So the prophecy failed. Not because God was wrong, but because you were not aligned with it when the time came. Wherever there are tongues, they will be still. Oh my God. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. Oh goodness. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the completeness or when the full stature or full measure comes, depending on the translation, what is in part will disappear. For years, I looked at this passage of scripture as thinking it was talking about when Jesus makes his final return. I understand now that when I see this scripture, that when Jesus is made complete in me, my ability to understand love will begin to vanish. My ability to know God, to know him. P, how long have you been with me, Philip? How long? How, Timothy, how can you not know where I'm going? I keep telling you, God is love. Everything he's ever done is for you. Everything I'm doing right now is for you. I am in the Father. You are, the Father is in me. I go to the better it's all apostolic god's love is apostolic he's creating a place for us in our own minds and in our own hearts but every day we choose the cares of this world every day we choose where people are in their immaturity and we fight with them online we take everything personally because we have not elevated to a place where we can see it for what it is. We, we go and we listen to leaders teach and preach and the whole time in the background, we're criticizing them, thinking that they are one place when it's really us that haven't ascended. 
We hop from here and there, this prophet, that prophet, this conference, that conference, looking for something that can be found within. And we don't use the tools that he has given us because we want an easy way. We want magic. We think everything is a miracle, a sign and a wonder. We don't want to do the work. We don't want to have our Gethsemane experience to get us to that next level. But only maturity allows us to, to, to come into completeness. I'm tired of knowing partial things in me. I won't know everything in the world, but God, I will know myself. And I will know the community around me. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a grown man, I put childish ways behind me. Ephesians 4 talks only about childish ways after those gifts are listed. For now, we only see a reflection in the mirror. Then we shall see face to face who we really are who he really is. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And listen, only three things are gonna remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Oh my God. The strategy of the kingdom is eternally governed by love. Incorruptible love. Indisputable love. The apostolic governs love. Doesn't govern your apostolic insight. It doesn't govern your 50 churches. It governs the love that those environments and things produces because God himself is love. How dare you question whether a person is an apostle or not? Because God says we shall know them by their love. Our definition of what makes an apostle an apostle is twisted. And what makes the apostolic the apostolic is twisted. What we have made it is corruptible. But what God declares it is, is not. Every truly apostolic per person is learning to be perfected in their love for God. How did Jesus say you love him? Obey him. Then the scripture tells us obedience is better than sacrifice. I mean, it goes on and on. And I'm not talking about just loving people. I'm talking about how to love God. I constantly tell people, if a person loves God fiercely, it's only a matter of time before all the other idols come down. Give people the grace to grow. You want time. Listen, this is an indisputable truth. There are no alternate sides. There are no alternate perspectives. And there are no alternate views to this truth 
that the strategy of the kingdom is eternally governed by love. There is no apostolic without an apostolic love as demonstrated through Jesus. And he was the only person who could demonstrate love that way. But here he is telling us, I don't really care if you can prophesy. It, it, it don't matter if you got all these gifts. I, I don't care who you know, how you loving me. The most critical apostolic commandment is this, Mark 12, 29 to 31, and we are done. The most important one answered Jesus is this, hear, O Israel, the spiritual and the natural Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, your desire, and with all your mind your will, your choice. And this is just your, um, I forgot to put it there, but with all your heart, your emotion. You know, we don't live from emotion. <laughs> we don't. I love sensitive people, but the beauty of them is that they learn how not to live from their feelings. You can't trick them if they can, if they, if they can learn to control their emotion and not respond from that place. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your inner being, your longing for him, your emotions, and with all your soul, your desire. What are you desiring? Why do you desire? What is your motive? If your motive is fame, greed, any of that, then, then no, that's not apostolic. And with all your mind, will, choice, decision, and with all your strength, effort, energy, what are you putting all your energy into? You striving or are you serving? The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. There is no commandment greater than these. Why? Because God is love. The apostolic is founded on one thing. Everything God has done from Genesis to Revelation is about loving us. All these apostolic ministries, and it's all based on gifts and works. We should be grieved. Love, ahava, is not weakness, but uncontrolled emotion is. Oh my gosh, we already have gone through this. Just going to read it. Growing in the apostolic requires going in faith, growing in faith by way of our perfect condition. Apostle, a prophet Andrea. It's very apostolic. It demands choosing and then deciding to live by faith. It demands relying on e eternal promises of covenant, not just personal prophecies. It's a sad thing when people are just prophetically led and not apostolically led. Error is inevitable if all we focus on is the prophetic. We are all supposed to be apostolic, not just invisible activity, but within the heart, mind, and our strength first. So that's where we're at. And we have to set this foundation. I will not teach 
spiritual gifts without talking about these areas. I believe it's been a travesty in the body of Christ to leave people looking at what they can do instead of who they are in Jesus. If people can't be consistent, they switching everything, they working on one thing one month, five months past, they trying to recover it. They're not ready for ministry because they will drop people like that too. When you're working with people, you have to be willing to raise them up. And when people are like that, they need to be in a congregation serving. You're better help when you spotty than messing up God's people because you can't make up your mind what you want to do. You might not like what I'm saying, but I'm going to keep saying it because when you become mature, you're going to have the same conversation I'm having with you now. Sometimes we don't know like what it looks like until we're on the other side. It's, um, your knowledge alone can't help you. Your wisdom alone can't help you. There is lived experience. The Bible says, in jo and I think it's Job 15, 15, wisdom is with years. So unless you got years and doing just one little thing consistently, I got a ministry, but the last time that ministry showed up was seven months ago. Come on, people, but you a prophet. Apostle, once a year ministry to you is enough. When you are called, and I mean, when there is a calling on your life, there is a people for you and there is a vocation that I don't care how you logically put it together. The Bible doesn't teach half the stuff that people do. God is doing a new thing, but not in service. Service has not changed. It doesn't shift and shake. How they served in the Bible is how we should be serving today. Love don't shift and shake. Honor does not shift and shake. Today, this is fun. I'm going to do it the next day. Complete God didn't say that the next day. Come on now. Did he lie? Or did you lie on God? Only two things are true. Either you're a liar or God's a liar. <laughs> I mean, hey, admit you're a liar because God does not lie. The scripture says he is not a God that can lie. <laughs> I believe that. We're going to deal with, with flesh in this teaching. And I hope that don't be looking at nobody else, okay? This is about us. We are conservators and we conserve what God has given us. We get to sacrifice. My ministry is sacrificial. You all know I'm, I'm not all that happy about having to do this every week for seven years and then all the time before. But look, the calling means something to me because it's a vocation, not a whim. Most people's ministries are whims. 
And two years from now, they will I have forgotten all about it. And they get mad when you talk about consistency. Well, God told me, well, you heard wrong. If you're called, you're called. You don't get breaks. <laughs> you don't. Not in a vocation. Honor the people that God sends you. Don't gather them if you can't serve them. As apostle, uh, Kalani always tell me, Dr. K always tell me, don't touch it if you're not going to walk it out. Let somebody else do it. Be honest with yourself and be honest with God. I'm a jack of all trades. No, you're not. Find something and stick with it. In Jesus' name, Father, we just thank you for this teaching today. We thank you for their patience and listening. Father, I know that if we were in a building, people can stay for four and five hours. They're not in a hurry. They're not washing dishes while they're trying to listen. They're watching people fall on the floor and looking. They're doing everything. But we pray, Father, that we don't mind being in school, in the conservatory, for one hour out of a 24-hour day, for two hours out of a 24-hour day. Let it be okay within us. Not let us, Lord, if they really knew how people gathered and worshiped in, in ancient days and in times past, and even in many communities today, it, they could have, they had meetings of revelation teaching through the word that went on for days. And the people were of joy to be in the midst and to be taught by those who taught Jesus. So we ask, Father, for a grace in the midst of the conservatory today and that the people here uproot what needs to be uprooted. And Father, I thank you that they agree that you are at the center of their lives. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Amen. Somebody